Welcome to the Steve Barkley Ponders Out Loud podcast. As instructional coaches and school leaders, you have a challenge to guide continuous teacher growth that promotes student success. This podcast looks to support you with strategies from our experienced guests and insights that I've gathered across many years. I'm thrilled you're here. Thanks for listening. A skill we all need, improving. Joining the podcast today is George Wright, the founder and president of Wright One Consulting. George is a management consultant who specializes in psychological assessment analysis, organizational assessment, as well as leadership development and training. He helps clients with selection and development, performance coaching, and issues of organizational change. I dropped George an invitation to the podcast when I read a post of his titled, The One Skill You Need for Success, Improving. Those of you who are frequent listeners or are following my blogs know the thought that there is no mountaintop to teaching has long been a focus of mine. So you can see why his title jumped out at me. Now, there's a special reason that I follow George on LinkedIn. I met him at the very start of my teaching career. You see, George was a student in my fifth and sixth grade combined class. So he got to spend two years with me as his teacher. Uh, welcome, George. It's just great to have you here. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate that that introduction. And yes, to your listeners, uh, Steve was a phenomenal teacher. Uh, I can tell you, I was a poor student and uh, Steve, Steve got the best out of me, uh, best of what he could do, because you know that you always have to work with the material you got. Uh, but Steve, you know, it, it was great for me to have you as a teacher, and you were also my basketball coach. I remember that. True. So uh, yep. it, it was a good time. So uh, you know, thanks for having this. It, it, you know, we're coming full soaker here because it's you know it's always great to work with people from your past. So thank you for having me on. I really appreciate this. It's yeah. a delight. So I'm wondering if you'd just talk a little bit uh, about your background that led to you working in. Um, managing and leadership consulting sure I, I, when I, I went to school at umass amherst and when i got out i had a psych degree and I, I knew that i wanted to do something a little different so i thought about going into clinical counseling psych and uh, i got accepted to a program a small school down in virginia radford virginia and i took a master's in applied industrial organizational psychology and so for those of you who don't know what that is that is the application of psychological principles and concepts to the work environment organizational design, uh, a lot very heavy on selection and development, use of assessments to evaluate and vet candidates. Um, when I came out, I worked at a very small boutique firm for about 20 years doing that work and then opened my own company in 2007, uh, Right One Consulting. And so we focus on, on those, those primary areas, selection and development. We also do a lot of training and development. We do coaching. And so our, our focus is really on there. But fundamentally, what we're trying to do is use scientific principles of psychology, you know, the human species, and how do you get the maximum effort and focus out of people when you do this? So that, that's sort of the, the brief overview of, of how I got here. Amazing. Just amazing. Um, you wrote in the, uh, in the post, and I'll make sure we, uh, we put the link so that uh, people who are listening in can go back and, and read your post. But you, you talked about some of the reasons, I called it the whys, of, of focusing on uh, continuous improvement. You want to start us out with that? 
Yeah, you know, some of the, even broader speaking, you know, why, why do you want to work on yourself? You know, and, and fundamentally, I mean, you mentioned this idea, there's no mountaintop to teaching. You know, there's no mountaintop for any of us. There's no, there's no finality. And so I always remind people at, at any level is, look, you need to get better consistently. One, you know, if you do that, you're probably going to engage your motivation. I'm always worried about, are we losing our motivation? You know, even now, you know, we're, we're, we're later in life, Steve, I think we can, we can get to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, even now it's like, what, what don't I know? What do I have to get better at? So part of it is motivation. And we all know that emotional intelligence, so this concept of how do I relate to other people and how do I relate to myself is critically important. So if you really want to get better at those concepts and develop those capabilities, you really need to step back and say, what do I need to do to be better? How do I need to be more effective? And really that self-reflection leads to, I need to never stop doing this process. And so that, that big why really for me is about those two things, engaging your motivation long-term. And then if you can enhance your effectiveness, you can be better with other people. I, I use a descriptor that, so if I'm talking about teaching or I'm talking about uh, uh, leadership, I, I was training uh, new uh, school administrators earlier uh, in, in the week. If you take everything you know about teaching or everything you know about leading and you put it inside of a balloon, the outside of the balloon represents your areas for further study. So yeah. in effect, every time you learn something new and pushed it into the balloon, it, it opened up this, uh, th this, this, this new area. So it's part of my description that uh, one of the reasons I'm not retiring is I still have too much to learn. You know, <laughs> a, a, a few weeks back, I, I wrote a blog on, uh, on, on chat GPT in schools. Wow. And I thought, you know, had I retired six months ago, I wouldn't even know what chat GPT is. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a whole way. That, that's a whole separate issue there. The whole, you know, using AI in, in any dynamic way. I mean, it, it's used, you know, in business, it's now used quite heavily, you know, customer service companies use it, you know, you have chat bots, you have AI responses, you know, so it, it, that's a whole deal in and of itself. And that, that technology sits there. It's got benefits, but it has real has some significant downsides we need to be careful about. But for me, you know, I, you know, here's the thing about the difference. Maybe and I could bifurcate between education and business a little bit. You know, educators have always struck me as people who want to be better all the time. You know, along the way, I mean, I taught in, at Bloomfield College here in New Jersey for ten years. I, I was a professor and I was in the evening department, and so I had students all the time. And if you do that, you better be in front of your craft. You better be really, you know, you better get in the literature. You got to really stay on top of what's going on because those kids are going to push you. And so I always found educators willing to do this. My problem sometimes is when I work with leaders in business, some of them have the idea of, well, you know, I've got this position. I really don't need to push myself. And I'm, I, I, I that frustrates me a little bit, but I always got to push back and remind them, hey, look, if you want your people to be better, you better set the example and you got to invest in you. Now, even CEOs, when I work with them, it's like, what are you doing to be better? And some of them look at me, what are you talking about? Yeah, I, I'm a personal fan of personal development plans. My clients, when I coach them, you got to fill that thing out and you better do it every six months. And even if you're a COO, I want to see that. What are you working on? How do you need to be better? Tell me what you're going to do for the next six months to make you better. And that helps people do that. And they engage that process. They do get better. It's funny. There's a, a line I stole from Tom Peters a, a whole lot of years back that I, mm -hmm. I constantly put in front of uh, of school people, and his suggestion was that we should do away with uh, 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 
evaluations, performance evaluations, and replace them with resume updating. So every six months, you sit down with your supervisor and you update your resume. And if six months have gone by and you don't have something to add, we have a problem. So I, either we as a company aren't offering you the opportunities to, uh, to do that new learning, or as an employee, you're not, uh, you're not taking advantage of them. Yeah, and, and we need to do that. I'm not sure that some of my clients in the business world would appreciate it and help <laughs> update their resume. And, you know, we just came through the great resignation. I'm not sure they want to do that. <laughs> well, trust me, schools are at the same place right now. Oh, yeah. But but, but but the but the idea being and when Peters wrote it, he wrote it at, at the time where where companies were changing so much that it, he said the only guarantee you can make to your employees, if if you're a quality company, the only guarantee you can make to your employees is when they leave, they'll have a better resume than when they came. So that's 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 the place you'd, you'd want to be working. Oh, you, yeah. you you mentioned coaching. Um, l- let's jump into that a little bit because you you, you talk about the uh, the value of of seeking feedback, and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of my work is in the area of not only being a coach, but I do a lot of uh, the training of coaches. So mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the connection between seeking seeking feedback and the continuous improvement piece. Feedback's a funny thing. You know, we're surrounded by it. I mean, and I always tell this little funny joke, you know, when I drive around New Jersey, I get a lot of feedback. Most of it's nonverbal. And, and, <laughs> uh, and usually it has to do with me, not them. Uh, but, you know, we are surrounded by feedback, but unfortunately one, there's, there's a whole bunch of elements of feedback. One, you need to get more of it. You're probably not getting enough. If you want to be better, you have to open up yourself to the fact that you probably aren't getting enough feedback. Uh, you know, my CEO clients, I think they're the most challenged. People don't want to give your senior yeah. executive. They're just, you know, there's a power struggle there. There's a whole bunch of things that go on. But I always say, look, you got to go out and get that. You need to do that. But anyone does. And you need to, m- multiple sources. I mean, we most commonly get it from our supervisors or managers. I, I invite people, look, get it from your associate. Get it from your colleagues. They're probably better sources than anybody. The reason you want that is you want to be better. So you need to understand what other people are seeing in you. Uh, and, and I always encourage people just actively do that. You know, my, I just got back from a leadership class this morning. One of their assignments was uh, for today, they had to seek out feedback from at least three members of their team. And what did they hear and learn? And we were reflecting on that. A lot of people were surprised to learn that people see them differently. And the reason they were surprised is they don't do it often enough. Yeah. So feedback, you need it to do it. The other element of feedback is, is giving it. And most people don't know how to give it. So people pay attention to it. You know, people are, are really, you know, they're giving feedback and it just, it falls flat. So those people who give me feedback when I'm driving, you know, <laughs> it, it's ineffective. It, it works. It gets my attention, but it's really ineffective. So I always say to people, look, you know, you got to seek it out, get it, but also learn how to give it. You yeah. learn how to give it with a sense of I, I'm, I'm in this to help you get better. Uh, and so there's that two-way street about it. But I, I firmly believe you need feedback and you should welcome it. Yes, some of it, even when delivered ineffectively, hurts. I get that. But nonetheless, is there an element of truth in it? You know, we often get the, probably some of the best feedback from the people closest to us. You know, and so when I get feedback, if my wife gives me feedback, you know what? Sometimes it may, you know, like, ooh, I'm going to be defensive here. But you know what? The reality is she's probably right. Yeah probably right. And my best bet is I better listen. 
Yeah. And I better pay attention and I better take that seriously because she knows me better than anybody else does. And so she I also, want that. She also wants you to be successful. Yeah, she does. I mean, yeah. she's always got my best interest in yeah. her. Without, I mean, if there's one person in my corner, I know it's my yeah. wife. Which, which, which that's the message we need to yeah. get clear on in our organizations. Uh, Absolutely. And, and if you seek it out, remember, people want you to be better, yeah. especially when you're a leader. And every educator, you're a leader by default. You're leading. Yeah. I don't care that you don't have leader in your title and that's meaningless to me. You're leading and you're setting an example and you better pay attention to that. So you need feedback. And I am welcome at all levels. Just go out and get it. It will be the thing that gets you better. It's interesting because when I work with schools on uh, on selecting teacher leaders for positions, one of the things that I describe is uh, you're 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 looking for a person who's willing to be vulnerable before trust has been built. Mm -hmm. So I don't need the best science teacher to be head of the department. I need the person who's pretty comfortable taking a uh, a lab that they did with kids that didn't deliver and be able to lay it down in front of three members of the department and say what thoughts or ideas have folks got as to you know what i could have done differently here that, that's the person that's going to set that environment where the other people begin to open themselves up to uh to feedback yeah and you probably found this when leaders start to open up and be vulnerable and say hey i want your feedback it gets easier for them to give feedback yeah it fundamentally says, hey, I want your feedback. Be open with me. And people then say, hey, you know, if you're going to do that with me, I'm going to be more accepting of what you have to say. No, but if we start the cycle, it gets so much easier. Those people who are resistant to it, I always say, then you must put on, you know, put on your blinders and go go for a drive because that's what's going to happen yeah. to you. No feedback. Yeah. Um, another area that you uh, that you talked about that I wanted to uh, check in on was uh, goal setting goal setting and experimenting wow <laughs> yeah goal setting uh no goals no motivation very simple uh when i've coached people in the past I, you know clients will come to me and say hey we have somebody in the team who's not motivated first question tell me about your goals what are they going to tell me most often i really don't have any you know goals and that connection they're pretty you know they're pretty dynamic and so and, and even you know you're probably familiar with smart goals you probably heard that term before Mm -hmm. You know, that, that element in there about being realistic about what your goals are in there is that understanding of motivation. When your goals are realistic, it kicks in. It may, you know, if there's a challenge, but also the opportunity, maybe you're no, won't get it, you're going to rise to that occasion. And, you know, go, go back to David McClellan's work way back in the 50s. He found that pretty significantly. So we know that goals are critically important. So helping people set those in a structured way. You know, so example, as a coach, my, my goal setting practice is about every six months. Mm -hmm. I like six month goals, let people work, do some work. Where are you? You get good feedback, you move, you reset and you go again. The experimenting part's a little different. Uh, and I started doing this during COVID. COVID was a fun time to run experiments because you could do certain things. You know, you could do certain things and see how it went. You know, we're in our homes. Okay, let's, you know, let's try not sleeping for a couple of days and see what the effect <laughs> is. It's not great, by the way. Um, so look, I, I believe that people should run experiments. I encourage my clients, if you want to try something, how about you set a goal of, of a two weeks? Try something for two weeks. It gives you long enough time to say, hey, what's that like? What did I learn? Does that work for me? Then I can build a habit out of that. And so it is about saying, hey, let me try something just for two weeks. 
and see what happens. If I like it, great. I mean, one area that I like to focus on right now is, you know, well-being is an important part of what we have to do now as leaders. We got to pay attention to well-being of everybody, including our own. You know, mindfulness practice is something that people feel uncomfortable doing. You know, try a mindfulness practice just for two weeks, just two weeks. See what works for you. If it doesn't, hey, it's two weeks, you don't have to worry about it. But I think when you start setting goals and you include those experiments of that two-week setting, you, you're going to find that you can do some things differently. And, and you're doing it long enough so it's meaningful, but you're not over-investing in it. So you can move on and learn. So in the in the work that I've been uh, doing with goal setting, I've got people tying um, a hypothesis in with it. So when when you when you're saying try something for two weeks, that's I'm talking to, to them that that's their hypothesis. So okay. I have this thought that this behavior could move things in the direction I, I want to go, and so I, I if it's a hypothesis means I've got I've got permission to find out it wasn't the right one, and I can go back to the drawing board and uh, and try another. That's why experiments are great because you're not losing anything. You're really not. And anything you're going to learn, you know, on my thing, you know, we talk about the concept of failure. I don't believe in failure. I don't think anybody really fails. You know, I, I think you learn and you move on because we're all going to do this. I mean, the great secret that no one wants to talk about is everybody fails. Yeah. You know, everybody struggles with something, you know, and, and, and this concept that, oh, these, no, everybody has done something and it's not worked out. Question is, did you learn? Yeah, what are you going to do? Big yeah. And then, and then how do you move on from there? So experimenting is really, and I do like the idea of a hypothesis. What might happen if, Hey, here's this association I think is there. Yeah. Okay. My performance might go down if I don't sleep for two days. Okay. Let's test that out. By the way, don't do it. It's terrible. <laughs> do not do that. But you know, you can do all kinds of experiments like that and you can run them that way. Hey, what would happen if, and figure that out? I, I like to do that. I don't think we do that enough anymore. We just don't. There was an area where you you wrote about the connection between uh, self confidence and greater job satisfaction as as outcomes of continuous uh, improvement, and uh, you, you kind of touched on this a little bit. There, there's quite a few school leaders today that are identifying mm -hmm. teachers having dissatisfaction, which seems to be uh, increased uh, uh, post post COVID. Um, and I'm wondering, in your work, is, is that broader spread around employees and organizations as well? And is this idea of, of, of an improvement model being one of the things we should be responding to? Yeah, in, in the corporate world, all you got to do is go over to Gallup and you start looking at engagement numbers. And for those of you who are not familiar with that, the Gallup organization uh, I believe they're still located here in New Jersey. They, they do these worldwide engagement surveys. And engagement fundamentally is defined as, are your associates, the employees in your company, everyone willing to go above and beyond what is expected? Are they willing to do that voluntarily? And that is called engagement. And then there's not engagement, people who are not doing that. And then there's something called disengaged. Those are individuals actively working against your organization in some way. And if you look at that data year over year, what are we finding is that Although there was a there was a sort of a little bit of an uptick, which was interesting during COVID, those engagement numbers keep going down, and, and it's a big deal in corporate America. It's it's worrisome. For me, I think it is about leadership. I I really we know from those studies from Gallup that your leader matters to you, 
and here's the funny thing and, and CEOs hate when I say this but it's not really the CEO that matters it's your direct leader who is the individual that yeah. you have the direct relationship with and so that is that individual who says to you hey look I, I want you to be more effective how can I help you be better that's the way I would suggest you know organizations in general go about it train your leaders your leaders those mid-level and, and I don't like that word manager but train those mid-level people that's where it starts how do you get those leaders to engage you know we always say one of the, the themes of any leadership program I'd be the leader that everyone wants to work for that means I care about you as a human being I'm interested in your development uh, I have a personal interest in you being more effective that means I'm going to really concern myself with how are you being more effective at what you do that means yeah I want you to do a personal development plan I want you to think seriously about what you need to be more effective I think that's the way we begin to have part of the solution to what is disengaging or having lower engagement scores but look I think educators it's a little bit more dynamic um I, you know I'm here in the states and so I read this article in the Wall Street Journal why you know teachers are leaving and it broke my heart to read the teachers are being assaulted in the classroom by students and I, I was just that was really disconcerting to me you know I my heart goes out to those teachers who have to live in and work in those environments where kids are doing that I think there's a problem there I think that's more dynamic I mean most of my clients don't work in an environment like that they go into a work environment there's a collegiality if you will mm -hmm. where you don't expect to get assaulted by your coworkers or your associate that just doesn't happen so I and I, I think education's gotten harder I think you know for sure. For sure I think it's hard you know so I think part of it is yeah having leadership you know and broader discussion is you know where's parental responsibility come in there's a whole separate issue there with educators but I think for me yes if you are working on yourself you will probably feel more self-assured now, how you feel about you will get better if you see yourself improving in some way you will probably feel a sense of hey I'm feeling better about me that's going to lead to more satisfaction that's going to have some distinct outcomes and I and I think if leaders really put that emphasis on that things get a lot better what's going through my head now is the the, the leader has to be focused on on his or her continuous growth and part of their continuous growth is focused on how they generate that continuous growth and support that continuous growth of, of the people that they're leading. Absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're, they're connected. I mean, you, you have to be invested in yourself, but you've got to be really invested in your team. How are they more effective? You, you'll get better when they get better. But you really need to, to double down and set that example of, hey, I'm working on my way and here's how I'm doing it. That's, and that's where we close that feedback loop and it comes right back to that so I for me yeah that that leadership element has to be there uh, but again I you know my heart goes out to educators at this point this must be so hard you know, it must be just tough well George I I really appreciate the uh the time and thinking that you've done here and uh I I have to tell you that uh, my 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 introduction to uh a teaching when you were with me as a student trust me I was on a big 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 learning curve <laughs> at that time and uh, uh and i i can only share that i i find it uh really exciting all these years later uh to be back and engaged in a conversation with you that with you playing a different role here than you did there 
you've yeah. uh, <laughs> you've pushed me to continue uh, uh, my focus on my continuous growth. Well, thank you, Steve. And, and again, you were you were phenomenal, man. You know, I always look back at that, and you know, there are certain teachers you remember, and, and that and that's the other thing about being an educator. Remember, you impact, and, and you may think people forget you; they don't. You know, I remember you very, very well. There were other teachers there. You know, Hampton Township Elementary School. You know, it was you and and some of those other folks. I remember those people. You know, they had an impact on us, and so. It is always that that great thing. I'm glad we got to close this loop. I'm glad we got to do that because I, I do. I appreciate everything you did for me. You know, and I was not an easy kid, so I apologize. <laughs> but, yes. No, you know, I, yeah, it, it, it turned out pretty well. <laughs> I, I had my heart in it when I worked with you. I still had a whole lot to learn, but I had my heart in it. Um, I, I'll put the uh, link to your uh, your post in the uh in the lead into the podcast. I'm wondering, uh, is there a way that people could get in touch with you, uh, see some of the yeah. other things you've written and maybe ask some questions? Absolutely. You know, one of the best ways is to do that is connect with me on LinkedIn. Okay. You know, and certainly just drop me a line. Hey, I heard you on, on Steve's podcast. Uh, we do have a newsletter that you can subscribe to. You don't have to follow me or be connected to me. It's called The Right Note. Uh, so I, if you want to follow that, you can come along. Uh, and I'm more than happy to share those ideas. And if you go to our website, you can, if you were really interested in talking to me, we have a, a connection there. You can just book time on my calendar, you know, 15 minutes, we can have a conversation. I always welcome those kind of conversations. So please, if you want to do that, or even, you know, reach out to me directly on the website, we we answer everything that comes in. So more than happy to talk to folks. Uh, tell folks how to find your uh, website. It's uh, www.writeoneconsulting.com. So W-R-I-G-H-T-O-N-E. C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G dot com, right? One consulting. All right. We'll put that in the uh, lead in again for those folks who are listening to the podcast while they're doing their morning walk. Okay. All right. Have so, have a great, great rest of your day. And, and thanks again so much, George. All right. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening, folks. I'd love to hear what you're pondering. You can find me on Twitter or LinkedIn at Steve Barkley or send me your questions and find my videos and blogs at barclaypd.com.